Okay. Uh, tonight we're going to look at a verse that hopefully we will we will cover in more depth on Sunday morning. Uh, this is from Genesis 18, verse 25. And this is part of a prayer that Abraham uh, prays as he's interceding. And so this is Abraham speaking to the Lord. Far be it from you, Lord, to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so uh, this phrase, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now the context here is that God has come down to earth and he's come down uh, in the appearance of a man and he's come with two angels. And it appears initially that this is just, these are just three strangers who have come to visit Abram. They're maybe travelers. And what Abraham realizes very quickly is that he's in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord has come. And one of the reasons in this visit that the Lord has come is to destroy two cities. Two cities that, that Abraham earlier actually just had rescued from uh, invading kings. But the Lord has come to destroy these two places of great evil, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the, 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 um, the deeds and the culture and the ethos and the attitudes there are so, so bad. It, 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 it rises up to heaven, it, it cries out to heaven, and God says, it's time for me to come down. And he's coming to destroy these two places. Now, these are cities. These are cities that are full of people. We don't know how many, but when Abraham hears that, when, when God tells Abraham, I've, this is what I've come to do, this is part of why I'm here, Abraham asks God, would you hold back? Would you hold back for the sake of even just a few righteous people that are in those cities? If there are enough righteous people, would you hold back from destroying them? It's similar to um, when God is trying to tell Jonah, I, I, I didn't want to destroy Nineveh for the sake of all the people that were there. I had mercy on them. I was quick to show mercy when they turned to me. And so Abraham is asking God, would you hold back just at least for the sake of a few righteous people there? Now, when we look at this passage and he, he says, you're the judge, uh, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It could be, shall not the judge of all the earth do justice, do justly? And so he's saying, you're just, you're the judge, won't you, will you not do what is just. And so this, this word for justice, it's a, it's, a, it's a big word in the Bible, a big word in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word is mishpat, God's justice. And when we talk about his judgments, we're not talking so much about God's commandments. We're talking about God's decisions, the things that God acts on, the decisions he makes for how he plays out his will. And so it has to do with whom God raises up. That would be one of God's judgments. And whom God casts down. That would be another one of his judgments. When God raises up. When God decides it's time for this to come down. Those would be his judgments. And what we know from many places in the Bible you have places like Psalm 19. The judgments, the mishpat of the Lord. They are true and righteous altogether. Every one of God's decisions. Everything that he enacts in this world it's good, it's true, it's righteous, completely. 
So I want to look just briefly at two things from this. The judge of all the earth will do right when he says no. The judge of all the earth will do right when he says no to your prayer. When he turns down your prayer, when he denies the thing that you've desired, and he seems to be saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not my judgment. Can you trust that he's doing right? Can you trust that he's doing right when he tells you no? For example, you have a a, a similar example. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is praying for his people, his fellow countrymen, his relatives, the Jews. And he, he, he says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. That's a great prayer. It's a good desire. He's praying that they would be saved. But God says no to that prayer. God says no to Paul's prayer for these people, his countrymen, the Jews. He says no to this this prayer because these are people who are rejecting Jesus at the time. And so what we see here is God is the judge, the just judge of all the earth who does right. Even if he says no, God might deny even a good desire that you have. I'm not talking about you have a criminal desire. You're, you cheated and you're, you're just praying, Lord, don't let them find out. Don't let them catch me. We're talking about good desires, good prayers. God may deny those. So for, for us, we have all those kinds of prayers. Maybe you're not having received a vision, a dream, that the Lord is going to come and destroy Tulsa, Oklahoma. But maybe there's something that you are asking him. You're, you're, maybe you're asking him, Lord, would you get me out of this mess? Get me away from these people who are making my life a mess. Get me out of this ministry situation that's just turning into a, a disaster. Get me out of this, this painful relationship. And it's not a bad request. And God says, no. Can you trust that he will do right even when he says no? Well, we know that in the case of Paul, when he asked that God would save the Jews, he did right when he said no. And it's, it works out in a way that's actually wondrous. It's better than saying yes. Romans 11, just a little bit later, uh, this is what Paul says. Romans eleven thirty two, For God has committed them all, speaking of, of his countrymen, the Jews, who are, who are very much on his heart, God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. And he's talking there about Jews and Jews and Gentiles in time. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. So there's our word. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And so what we find is we come again to this very commonplace as believers. When, when we ask God, he says no, and maybe we feel hurt Maybe we feel frustrated, but then we see God's ways are higher than mine. God is able to do something better by saying no. And so like Job, we just say, before you, Lord, I repent in dust and ashes. I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know what I was, I was talking about when I, I took offense at you. For, for me, I can think of a, an illustration that probably will always be significant to me. A long time ago when I was... Um, in high school and applying for colleges. I really had my heart set on, on a, one college. I applied and uh, I, I put together the whole portfolio that was needed. I, I had connections there and I was turned down. I was turned down. I was rejected and I was crushed. It was very disappointed. But four years later, because I didn't get into that college, I ended up meeting Elizabeth. And we had 
children. And four years later, I was so glad that God said no. It turned into something better than I could have even dreamed or asked. And we were married. We were married while we were in our jun- after our junior year. We were expecting Philip while we were finishing off college. It was amazing for us. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, and I'm so glad God said no. He, he did more than right. And he did that. The judge of all the earth will do right not only when he says no. The judge of earth will also do right when he says yes. God says yes to Abram in this prayer. We'll look at it more on Sunday. But he actually says yes to, to Abram. Abram. Abram says, if there are 50 people, 50 people in Sodom, would you spare the city? How about a 45? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? And with each one of those requests, God says yes. Yes, if there are 10, I will spare the city. So he says yes, but here's the problem with God saying yes to Abram's request. There aren't even two, maybe there's only one person left, even four escape from Sodom. But when you look at Lot, his wife who looks back, the two daughters who get into all kinds of just very painful um, and unrighteous behavior after the deliverance, you, you, you realize there were not 10 righteous people left in Sodom. There weren't five. Four of them fled. There probably weren't even four. There was only one righteous person. God destroyed Sodom. And, and so that was a yes to Abram because Abram stopped after asking if, if not, if 10, if 10. So, but what was Abram asking God? He was, he was asking God, would you spare the righteous and would you spare the city? Would you spare the, the city if there are enough righteous? And so he's asking mercy for the 10 righteous that might be there. And what we see is this. God said yes, and Abram's prayer actually wasn't enough. His, his desire wasn't strong enough, didn't have enough wisdom in it. But God went ahead and spared the one, that one person. He, he found a way to bring justice, to destroy that whole city that, that needed to be destroyed, but he also spared the righteous. Even though there were less than, fewer than 10, he still spared the righteous. And so later on, Genesis 19, it's noted this way. Um, when God has destroyed Sodom, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. And so what we see here is God said yes, but it involved him also. God improved Abraham's prayer. So when God even says yes, we can know that the judge of us will do right because many times our plans, our prayers, they're, they're not enough. God needs to improve them. And so he did that with Abraham's prayer. He spared the one righteous man and still managed to destroy the wicked city, Sodom. So sometimes God will say yes. And here's another way, another way that we need this assurance that God, the judge of earth, all earth, will do right even when he says yes. Sometimes God says yes to what you've been asking. Maybe you've, you've asked that you would pass and you get through this course and you've, you've gotten the certification. It's opened all these doors now. He said yes, and now you're scared. He said yes. What will this mean? Sometimes you've asked for a spouse, and God says yes, and then suddenly you think, he said yes. Now what? Or he's asked for, for a new ministry, a new position, something, and, and, and you wanted it, and, and you, were, you, were, you, were, you were excited, and then he gives it to you, and you think, what have I asked for? 
what, what, is, what now what's going to happen? What if what I asked for does not work out? Well, the Lord improves our prayers. The Lord will work beyond what we could ask, what we could think. And we see that in Ephesians 3, 20. God, this God, the judge of all the earth who will do right, he's the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think according to the power that works in us. And so I think the message for us is don't worry. Do not fear. The judge of all the earth, our God, will do right. Now here's another way to, to, to think about this. We're talking about we ask God and does he say yes? Does he say no? In John 21, it's, it's kind of the other way around. Jesus asked Peter three times a question. He asked him, do you love me? And Peter, as you remember, each time he said, Lord, you know, you know I love you. Yes, you know I love you. I think when when Jesus asks Peter that question, do you love me? We are doing that all the time with all of these requests that we have for the Lord. When we ask him, Lord, would you do this? Lord, I, I, I would like this. Will you do that? Underneath that question, we are asking the Lord the same question. You could be asking about your job. You could be asking about your bills, whatever. Underneath it, here's what you're actually asking. You're asking, Lord, do you love me? Think about that. That's what you're asking. Do you love me? We're asking Jesus, do you love me? And over and over, this is what Jesus is saying. Just like Peter said, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because greater love has no man than that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. There isn't a greater love you could have from anyone. There isn't a greater love you could be sure of from Jesus. And so because Jesus has said yes to us, we know that the judge of all the earth will do right to us who are loved.